Will openness and honesty about medical errors keep you out of court? You are listening to ReachMD on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. By quickly disclosing errors, offering apologies, and where necessary, providing fair compensation, some medical centers around the country are trying to get out in front of their medical mistakes. This may not be the best approach for all practitioners. Welcome to the Business of Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill. Our guest today is Stephen Kern, a health law attorney with the firm Kern, Augustine, Conroy, and Shopman, representing physicians and other health professionals. Counselor Kern, welcome to the show. Thank you. Nice to be here. Well, do I still need to think twice before saying I'm sorry to a patient? No, probably twice and three times, Dr. Caskell. <laughs> so I know you wrote an article about this that appeared in Medical Economics. What's happening out there? What's driven the shift in terms of doctors actually saying the truth? Well, I don't know that there's anything driving a shift. I think there are a few pockets of individuals and groups that are looking to alter the system. And from everything I can tell, though they have made a number of efforts to do so, their success is somewhat limited. And I believe it's limited in large part because if you're going to change a portion of the system, you also need to change the other portions of the system if it's going to work. Well, but for years, it seems that the malpractice lawyers and even in the insurance companies have been counseling doctors and hospitals, just deny, 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 defend, defend, defend. And now it seems like the tide has shifted a little bit that they're saying, well, maybe not, because I know some health centers are actually experimenting with getting ahead of it and doing full disclosures and seeing their claims and lawsuits dropping. Well, well, first, I'm not sure I agree with your last statement. I mean, I've been in this business for over 30 years, and probably going back at least 25 years, there's been a significant shift within many insurance companies to quickly evaluate claims, determine their legitimacy, if in fact there's fault, to try to negotiate out a reasonable settlement quickly. I don't believe that there is necessarily a deny, deny, deny mentality out there. What I think we're talking about here, though, is something somewhat different. It's not a function of denying something after a claim is made. It's a question of disclosing in advance of anyone even having a notion that a medical error, in fact, occurred. How do you counsel physicians these days? I mean, are you advising your clients to say, I'm sorry? Or are you admitting some sort of guilt by saying that? Well, that's exactly the problem. By saying you're sorry, you are, in effect, admitting guilt. And in most jurisdictions in this country, that becomes an admission that can be used at trial. Anyone who even hears that can use that as testimony? Yeah. And in effect, by saying, I'm sorry, the doctor may well be making it impossible to defend a lawsuit, and a lawsuit that many times is otherwise defensible. One can be sorry that there was an adverse result without being sorry that he did something wrong. But the perception of the statement oftentimes can be misconstrued. So if you say, I'm sorry for the way things turned out, that would be better than saying, I'm sorry I screwed up. No question from a legal perspective, there's a vast difference between the two. And then what could even happen to my malpractice coverage? I mean, can they say, you know what, we're dropping you because you're using behaviors that actually make it difficult for us to provide a defense for you? Well, not only can they drop you, but they can disclaim coverage in that particular case. Many insurance policies have language in there which says, if you do anything to compromise our ability to defend you, 
in effect, you're on your own. Now, as long as we have a system that includes those kinds of punitive provisions, a physician can't go and say, I'm sorry, I screwed up. If we're going to move to this model, it's very difficult to argue that doctors shouldn't be honest with patients and families. But if you're going to move to this model, then we're going to need to address all of the repercussions associated with the model. We need to address the costs associated with it. We need to address how compensation is going to be derived. We're going to need to address the manner in which a physician is going to be penalized, if at all, for making a medical error. And this gets to really having to revisit the whole notion of physicians and medical errors. We know from studies that there are probably somewhere between 50 and 100,000 serious medical errors a year which occur in this country, the vast majority of which never result in lawsuits. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to The Business of Medicine on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Larry Caskell, your host, and my guest today is health law attorney Stephen Kern, and we're discussing why apologizing for a medical mistake may not be the best approach. Counselor, so you mentioned there's 50 to 100,000 serious medical errors that occur per year. Well, based upon the old Harvard study, yes. So if I am unfortunate enough to be the committer of one of those potential errors, what should I do first? Do I call my attorney? Do I call my malpractice carrier? Obviously, I don't call the patient and say, sorry, guys, I messed up. Well, unfortunately, in today's environment, the third alternative is likely to be very costly to the doctor's career from many different areas. Malpractice premiums increase, may lose coverage, wind up on a profile of your practice, oftentimes created by various licensing boards, come under scrutiny from licensing boards, uh, potential criminal prosecution. Unless we're going to move towards a system where we accept the fact that to err is human and doctors are human, and we shouldn't be punishing doctors for being human, this system that is being promoted now is almost certainly going to fail. If we want to move to an open system, and again, very difficult to argue against an open, transparent system, then we need to change what happens once a doctor discloses the medical error. The disclosure of the medical error cannot lead to devastating results to the physician because we know if that is going to be the result, people aren't going to disclose. We've got to do a systemic review and change if we're going to accomplish what the proponents of the system are looking to accomplish. My concern is all we're doing at this point is giving the plaintiff's bar an additional tool without altering the system to protect the honest error that virtually every doctor is going to make from time to time in his or her career. We need to address all components of the problem. Well, I think that the component you're talking about where we need to accept that physicians are humans, it seems that we've been knocked off our pedestal, so to speak, over the last 10, 20 years. I mean, we're we're not even called doctors anymore. We're called providers. We definitely don't make the money that gods make. And so we're treated as humans in that respect, but yet we're still held accountable to some higher standard, I guess, than any other profession. 
So you're right, the system needs to change. But can you cite any examples of where some health systems are actually seeing a positive response from early disclosure or even full disclosure? I'm not aware of any. There's the one study a while ago out of a VA hospital, but that is obviously not a usual population. Mm-hmm. It's a population of old veterans in the Midwest. You know, their behavioral response, I can almost assure you, is very different from the average patient in Manhattan or, or the Bronx. Right. So some of the studies that have been done are looking at state-run facilities versus private facilities. Well, that's, that's a federal facility. And, yeah. And then there's you know, some anecdotal stuff floating around, but there's no good study that I'm aware of that I've seen which shows any benefit, at least financially, to this approach. Again, doctor, I'm not suggesting that we ought to hide things, that we ought not disclose. I think, you know, in theory, it's a terrific concept. There's no reason it shouldn't happen other than as our system currently exists, and it's an adversarial system, which has evolved for over 200 years, our system doesn't allow that to happen in a fashion which would not break the bank of the system. As we sit here today, what I'm hearing is that if we apologize, it's good for our soul, but it may be very dangerous to my career. Exactly. Is there anything in the future that you see the climate changing? We have a new administration. We have a lot of hope out there. Is there any hope for us in our world? Hope is a good thing. But as you may recall, there were efforts in the last Congress to provide some significant tort reform that lost on pretty much party lines with the Democrats voting against tort reform. I don't imagine that in the current Congress we're going to see any real efforts to achieve tort reform. And unless there is a global reformation of the way our tort system works, tinkering with only one end of it can only increase the cost. Steve, are there any states currently that where an apology is actually inadmissible in court, or are all states the same? I haven't done a review of every state. There may be states where the apology itself is not admissible, but that really doesn't go very far. Once the doctor says, I made a mistake, then the whole litigation process triggers. One of the attempted analogies always is to the airline industry, where accidents disclose errors. Well, if there's an airline crash, it's pretty well known that there was most likely an error. If there's an error in treating a patient, it's far less likely that it's going to be known. It's hard to hide the airline crash. You know, the old expression is that surgeons bury their mistakes. Well, absolutely. You know, I thought what really makes a patient or their family angry is not necessarily the error, but it's concealment. So, if you have a good relationship, at least that's what they teach us, if you have a good relationship and a good rapport with your patients, they're less likely to sue you because they're not going to be mad or angry at you. And if something bad happens and you just ignore them and don't call them back, their anger will just turn into a lawsuit. Nobody's suggesting that you don't call the patient back or the family back. But between, gee, I really like the guy and I may be able to get a million dollars by suing him, invest portions of this country the latter seems to take precedent. I hate to be a cynic, but that's the reality. Steve, can you think of an example in the near past where something occurred and doctor either said he's sorry, didn't say he's sorry, and what actually happened as a result of that? I have one very recent one. I have a physician who was accused by a patient 
of inappropriately touching her breast. The doctor, who is farm-born, immediately said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I think a lot of it being cultural, rather than getting into an argument with the patient, rather than getting into a dispute, apologized profusely because the patient perceived that he touched her inappropriately. Well, he made the apology. She then contacted a lawyer, contacted the police, called him on the phone with a wiretap going, confronted him, and again, he kept saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Didn't say, I'm sorry, I assaulted you, mm-hmm. but kept saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And based upon that tape recording, the Board of Medical Examiners brought an action to immediately suspend the doctor's license. Now, they ultimately didn't do it, but they came very, very close. He's also currently facing the potential of a criminal indictment. So by saying, I'm sorry, the doctor placed himself in a position that he would never have found himself in if it were just this woman making an allegation against this doctor. You know, as you tell the story, I always bring a nurse or a medical assistant in the room with me if I'm going to do any sort of breast exam. And I'm thinking, why did he not do that? I mean, he may not have had the means to do that, the staff to do it, but it's kind of what they teach us in med school. Don't put yourself in a situation like that. Well, just to make your life a little more difficult, I have a case that is now on remand from the appellate division in New Jersey, where a doctor examined a patient with two medical assistants present. The two medical assistants swore the doctor examined the patient perfectly appropriately. Patient complained that the doctor inappropriately examined her. Two witnesses, the patient had probably half a dozen different versions of what happened and even the dates upon which it happened. Trial court, administrative court, this was a license revocation proceeding, found against the doctor, and it took the appellate division to reverse it. So even having a chaperone present doesn't necessarily get you far. In that case, the administrative law judge was ultimately overturned, found that you couldn't rely upon the chaperone's testimony because the chaperone had an allegiance to the physician. I'd like to thank our guest, Stephen Kern, for coming on the show today and talking about the potential pitfalls of disclosing a medical error. Nice talking to you, doctor. Steve Kern's a health law attorney with the firm Kern, Augustine, Conroy, and Chapman. He works as representing physicians and other health professionals. I'm Dr. Larry Casco, and you've been listening to The Business of Medicine on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMD online, on demand, and on air. Please visit us at ReachMD.com, and thanks for listening. 